welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad, the definitive show on Airbnb hosting, featuring the best advice on how to maximize profits from your Airbnb listing, as well as real-life experiences from Airbnb hosts all over the world. Welcome. We are your hosts, Joseva Kapadia and Jasper Rivers. Get paid for your pad. 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 Welcome, episode two hundred and fifty-two of Get Paid for Your Pad. I am currently in Sweden and I'm talking to Francisco Arango and he's a bit of an expert when it comes to managing and training your cleaners. So we're going to be talking all about that, but also he has a very cool story how he grew his Airbnb business from just one room in Hawaii to uh, managing up to 10 units. So really interested to hear your story, Francisco. Welcome to the show. Right on. Thank you, Jasper. Where shall we begin? Where shall we begin? Well, let's let's begin in Hawaii. I know you're in Tennessee right now, um, but you started your Airbnb business in uh, in the beautiful Hawaii. I've been a couple of times. I can't wait to go back there. Um, so I'd love to start with, you know, kind of how did you build your Airbnb business from renting out a room to having up to 10 units and, and also... You know, how, how did you come across Airbnb? How did you find out about it? And, and why did you start with Airbnb in the first place? Okay, sounds good. Um, so I started off hearing about Airbnb through word of mouth. Um, I was at a party or something and somebody was talking about somebody owed taxes on a, on a, a couch that they were renting out and I was like, what's going on here? So anyway, they tell me this lady's renting out a couch on Airbnb and she made all this money. And I was thinking, okay, I'm getting tired of dealing with uh, roommates. Uh, you know, some of them are just incredibly messy or flaky or, you know, leaving in a rush or, um, you know, a few bounce checks that I still have from, you know, five or six years ago. Um, so anyways, I got on Airbnb and figured out what it was all about. And whenever the uh, current roommate I had uh, jetted off, I put my place up on Airbnb. And <clears throat> I mean, I think I, I'm, I'm running back like the first month, I only made like 200 bucks. I mean, the places didn't book. But uh, after that, I mean, it just st- steadily started growing and I was getting about a hundred bucks a night. Um, and the place was packed just about, you know, maybe 90 to 95% of the nights. Um, um, you know, m- the idea of it being clean back then wasn't the same as the idea of it being clean now. Well, but guests were just happy to have a place that was, you know, safe and, you know, they were able to meet with somebody that was actual local and, uh, or, you know, involved in doing local things. So, you know, they were happy. Um, now after about a few months, uh, me and my wife had kids and we turned that room into a kid's room 
And I had really enjoyed dealing with the guests and meeting with them and just being a part of their, um, you know, their experience. So we decided to buy a place, another place. And we buy a place like maybe uh, a mile down the road. And I was telling my wife, look, if I'm going to go down there, you know, to go clean the place or go do repairs or just be in that building enough, maybe I can get another one. Now we can afford to buy one. So I just got on Craigslist. And I started, uh, you know, seeing if anybody wanted want to rent me out their uh, condo that they had in that building. And like one of the first people I, I messaged wrote me back. It was like, yeah, I don't own the place, but I'll ask the landlord if she would allow that. And he said he was currently leasing the place, subletting it out as an Airbnb, but the current landlord didn't know that. So he was like, I don't know what she's going to say if you know, you actually tell her what you're doing. So anyhow, I get a hold of that lady and um, I meet with the lady and I see the room and we're all like all in this room and she's like, oh, so you're going to rent this out on Airbnb or you know, you're know, you going to rent this out on some site because back then she didn't know what Airbnb was. I think she was like, oh, you're going to rent this out as a short-term rental. I was like, yeah, but you know, I, I got to fix this place up. It needs about, I don't know, three or $4,000 worth of repairs. And she's like, yeah, I agree. I go, how are we going to work that out? And I go, well, I'll pay for the labor if you just pay for the supplies. And so um, she was like, okay, that sounds like a great deal. You're going to pay for this thing to get fixed up, and I'm just going to pay for the supplies that go in it. And she's like, yeah. Um, ended up being about $3,000 or $3,500 worth of materials to go into the place, and then I spent another $3,000 um, on labor. Uh, me and my friend fixed it all up, and I've had that place since – 2012, I believe. I've been leasing it out every year. Um, she had another place in the same building come up for uh, for lease, and she wanted to make the same deal with me. So uh, we did the same thing with the her other unit, which is right next door to it. So then I had three. Um, and then we ended up moving out of my condo, and I um, so that would be the third one. So we had the condo that I owned another condo that I owned and then one that I rented and or two that I rented from her. And then um, me and my wife went and rented a place cause then we had more kids and we just needed a bigger place. So that got me up to like five places in a matter of a couple of years. And I didn't, really wasn't trying to grow how many units I was uh, managing. I just sort of looked at it as a way for me to make some money while I figured out, you know, maybe what, new ventures I wanted to do. Um, and then I guess I just started buying more. I bought a few in, uh, a few in Tennessee and kept on, you know, just now got like uh, eight altogether. I've had as many as 10 cause I've leased a couple and then some of them I go, but the leases run out and you know, they don't renew for whatever reason, or, you know, I'll move out of a place that was maybe a duplex and you know, let the other side go. But yeah, right now we're up to um, currently eight. And, you know, I know you didn't mention this in the intro, but we're buying a uh, abandoned apartment building and turn it into a roadside motel um, and going to run it like, like, an Air, like an Airbnb. So that's where I'm at now. Awesome. Yeah, we'll definitely talk more about your future plans with the with the Rota Motel. Um, but I just want to ask a few more questions based on what you've shared so far. Um, 
especially the two apartments that you were leasing from from the lady like what did the numbers look like in terms of like how much were you paying for the for the lease and then uh, how much were you able to make on airbnb okay so um the guy that i originally got it from he was renting the place out for 90 dollars a night and he was paying twelve hundred dollars a month for it but i looked at his bookings and they weren't very much so i could see that he probably wasn't making much money but i mean the place smelled when i went in there it was not very nice the old bedding just like really didn't put any effort into like making people feel like we that he appreciated their business so once we did the upgrades uh, which cost about 6,500 in total. I think 3,000 was materials and 3,500 was labor. Um, the lady kept the rent the same. And then I end up bringing in about 160 bucks a night. I mean, uh, yeah, about $150 a night. And Jilly brought in about $4,500 uh, a month. And let's see here. Last time I looked, AirDNA had me at like $48,000 for the, for a year. And that was like within 5% of the actual numbers. I've sort of stopped um, constantly monitoring year after year. I, I sort of just do it month after month now to see how much money I made. Um, but yeah, I was paying 1200 bucks a month, bringing in about $4,000 on average every month. Wow. That's incredible. So you, you free X uh, the, the price of the lease. That's, that's really fun. It was really good. Yeah. Now I did have a downturn. So about two years ago, I think kind of everybody knows this in their market. If they're an early entry in their market, you know, there'll be a point in time where like a bunch of people start coming in and the prices go down. So about, you know, two years ago, prices went down for me quite a bit. I think I ended up bringing in about 38,000 for the year. Um, but since then, Prices have gone back up for me, and I'm I'm definitely at four thousand dollars a month on average again. And, but my, now now my rent has gone up. She charges me uh, fourteen hundred bucks a month now. Right, but that's still pretty good. I mean, fourteen hundred times twelve says so that's uh, let's see sixteen thousand eight hundred. So let's say seventeen thousand. Yeah. And then even in the downturn, you make thirty six. That you say that's still that's still double. Yeah, yeah, still, no, it's been still a, really good. Now, keep in mind that top line number does include my cleaning fees and I have to pay taxes out of that. So they don't, they don't collect and remit taxes in Hawaii, at least not yet. Sure. And I'm, I'm one of the few suckers out there that pay all the taxes. <laughs> well, someone has to, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Awesome, man. Well, uh, that's awesome how you, how you were able to make so much on those leases. And also really great to see how um, how you were able to do it, you know, with uh, permission from the landlord. I think that's really important. So uh, great job on that. So what what about the places in uh, in Tennessee? How did they go? So um, how did I go about getting those, or how how well are they doing? Yeah, like both. Like how you know how did you how okay. did you acquire them, and and also what were what the results kind of similar in Hawaii, or was it different? Okay, so the ones in Tennessee we bought, um, and the way I did it was a little bit like how you go and research, you know, your places, except that, you know, I don't have to worry about different laws and if I'm going to get scammed, and I only focused it on the United States um, and places where I could get a loan for. And I, I looked over about 30 different markets, 
and I have spreadsheets, probably a hundred different pro forma that I did on different properties in those markets to try to figure out, you know, what would be my return on investment. And I ended up coming um, to the conclusion that Gatlinburg was going to be the best return on my investment. And one of the things that sold me on that was when I buy a place in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, it comes already furnished. Nobody's moving their furniture out of the mountains. And that really kind of what sold me. I could get, I could get into something cheap. Um, nightly rates were, were good. And it already came furnished. And so all I had to do was really just like update the, the linens and stuff. So I ended up finding a place in uh, Gatlinburg for $165,000. And a lot of places there in Gatlinburg are managed by property management companies. And, you know, the property management company takes like 30% out of it. They, if they do advertise on Airbnb, they don't ever, they don't really book on Airbnb. They try to get people to come off site and book on their site. They try to do a lot of direct bookings. And so I thought, man, like this is going to be like shooting fish in a barrel because, you know, I'm going to, give people what they want. They don't want to go and book on your site. They don't want to talk to you on the phone. They don't want to meet you in person. Oftentimes they just want to book the place and show up. And so, um, I, I thought there was a lot of opportunity for me just to do a lot better than the, the previous management company, um, had done. And I think I can do that with any property there. Just, it's just, you know, it's just property managers control the market there. Um, I think it, the place that we bought was, um, the property manager, the year before, I said that they brought in thirty-seven. I mean, I'm sorry, thirty-three thousand dollars. And I was like, "Oh, I think I can bring in thirty-eight thousand just from doing some comps from some other Airbnbs in that area." And then, um, you know, um, I did my full year uh, review, and we brought in forty-three thousand dollars. So, um, I mean, that's how I found it. Uh, I bought it sight sight unseen. Um, now once we bought it, I did have my wife go down there and she updated the place, like took out all the old knickknacks they had and put new bedding and new linen, new towels in there, you know, good cooking utensils. I think we spent a, a total of 6,700 bucks, uh, updating the place. Yeah. And it's been, uh, I mean, I don't want to say cash cow, but you know, if we bought it for 165, uh, we put 20% down and we're bringing in, uh, a, a hair under 4,000 a month. I'm pretty happy with that. But now the, the, the kicker there is my cleaning fees are a lot cheaper and uh, taxes are collected and remitted for me. So, you know, 13, uh, 9%, no, sorry, 9.9% .9 of the taxes that I would normally pay out of my pocket, you know, are, are being paid by the, uh, by Airbnb. So, you know, that makes it a lot sweeter. Wow, man. Really, really awesome results. And, uh, I, I remember, I'm sure you're using AirDNA as well, are you? Okay, so when I was doing my, I, I do on occasion use AirDNA, but when I was doing my research, um, I use a combination of uh, Everbooked. And what I would like to do is I would go find a property that was doing well in an area. And then I would go look at it. One that I could tell they weren't trying to do funny business with their uh, property. They're just booking through Airbnb and auto book and all that. And just kind of seeing how much money those properties were making. And then I would try to buy something that resembled that property and then see if I could do better than that. So if what they were doing was good enough as an investment, like, okay, well, how can I do better than that? 
And I was like, all right, I can buy that place. You know, that's sort of how I used it. And then I would just kind of verify some of the data with AirDNA. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, definitely. And it sounds like you you really focused on doing a lot of due diligence to to make sure that you, you know, you find that place that that is just going to bring in so much return. So I think you did a really good job. Yeah, I mean, I, I did a lot of extra due diligence that I found wasn't valuable back then. And now that I'm a little bit better at doing this, I kind of narrowed it down to a couple, you know, I can make a, a decision pretty quick. And, you know, one of the key findings that I, like that I believe in that works for me is go and find a top property in that market, see how much they're making, go, okay, they're doing everything right. And then see how much a home is right next door to that or very competitive to that. And, you know, uh, see if it makes sense to make a purchase there. One of the, it, sometimes I'll go and validate my numbers with, um, you know, like I said, AirDNA, <clears throat> sometimes Mash Visor. And one of the things I'll use is I'll actually use Airbnb. So, you know, Airbnb as a place where you can test how much your place will be. So, like, if I sent you a referral link, you'll get a, a – uh, if I were to send you a referral link, you'll get a, your little a URL, and it'll say, see how much you can make by renting out your place. And so you put in your address in there and it kind of give you an estimate of what you think you can make renting out your place. That's a good little uh, hack if you want to kind of verify it through Airbnb's numbers. Did you find that those numbers are pretty accurate? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sometimes they, I mean, you know, you kind of got to, you kind of got to, I think they're probably the most accurate ones, but you know, they don't take in consideration, Oh, you have a view. You know, they just kind of take in consideration you're in that area. So I have to realize like, okay, I got a view. I sort of have an idea of what they're comparing, what Air, how Airbnb is getting their numbers. And then I, I will add from there or subtract from there if I think I'm more competitive in that market. And I'm almost always more competitive. You know, I do a lot of instant book. I don't I have easy cancellation policy. I don't put a bunch of literature in my uh, profile. I'm or wording, I try to keep it pretty simple to give people what they want. You know, uh, I'd always do professional photos. So yeah, I found out they're pretty accurate, you know, but I think you got to combine this. You kind of, there's some sort of art to the science or common sense, I should say. I should say. And those numbers also averages, right? So, you know, I, I, my guess is that you could probably make more than what Airbnb estimates because they they go by averages and you know just i mean a, a lot of hosts are leaving money on the table yeah you're exactly right i, I find that sometimes hosts get too uh lost in the details and just don't let people book the place and enjoy themselves awesome now let's talk about the cleaning aspect um you you told me you used to clean your your airbnbs yourself and you realized that you know, an Airbnb turnover is a little different than cleaning somebody's house. And now you came up with a, a, a solution for people to manage and, and train their cleaners called the, the clean solution. So what are some what are some tips for people that are struggling to, to find a good cleaner to manage and train them? I mean, first of all, you got to think of them as your business partner. And they're almost like your property manager. So you're really getting a sweet deal. If you get a good cleaner and you pay them well, that's like a really good deal. That's way better than having a property manager because that cleaner is in there all the time and they can do little fixes here and there. And so I think it was just that mindset that allowed me just to have maybe better results 
than other hosts get. You know, you'll never hear me complaining about my cleaners. Um, and I don't I have virtually zero turnover on cleaners. Um, you know, but I do make sure uh, we set some things up first. You know, they need to know like, hey, this, you don't just clean and leave this place. Like we need to set this up for the next guest. And the better job that we do, that you do at doing that, then the more business you're going to get, you're going to be going into that place a lot more often. I kind of let them, you know, know that, you know, they have a vested interest in doing this. Now they don't need to always do a deep clean. I don't try to get them to make this place perfect every time. That's ridiculous. That's a, that, to me, that's a waste of their time. Uh, to, and it's just like unnecessary. You know, you just need to have it clean well enough and they can do deep cleans as they see needed, but each turnover doesn't need to be a deep clean. Um, and that, and I think they appreciate that, you know, I recognize that um, and that I, I trust them to use their judgment on what needs to be done. And then I make sure that they always supply the, the toiletries, the soaps, uh, you know, the, the coffees, and I just won't hire somebody that won't, isn't willing to do that. Now I'll pay them more. I just say, hey, charge me for it. But you supply all that stuff and just tell me what I owe you after each cleaning. And if we find out that people are using too much of any particular supply, then, you know, charge me for it. But I have a pretty good understanding of how much people use because I've cleaned my units for so long. And I know every now and then you might get a person that uses too much, but for the most part, you know, they just use a normal amount. People aren't that wasteful. Um, I guess so. I, I don't know if I actually numbered off any tips there, but, you know, treat them as your, as your partner. And let them know they have a vested interest in this place doing well. You know, let them know you want them to make money. Um, have them do all the supplies for you. And just make sure it's the kind of quality supplies that you want. You know, if they're going to do the cheapest toilet paper out there, then I just tell them I won't hire you because an extra 50 cents means a lot to me and my guest for, you know, roll of toilet paper. So, um, and I usually never have that problem. I think only at one time that some cleaners use the cheapest toilet paper until I just, they just realize it's not good for business. It doesn't get, we won't get good reviews. Um, and I make sure that, you know, they pay attention to the linens. Like that's something that you have to pay attention to. Maybe if you're cleaning someone's house, you don't have to because a person doesn't care about their linens that much, you know, and if they do care, they'll buy their own. But as a short-term rental, um, we have to, we're the ones that manage that, the linens and the quality that we have. And if, you know, they start to, if they're starting to get thin, you got to let me know and I'll just replace them immediately. Like they need to be my ears, my eyes on the quality of uh, the product that we're creating. And, you know, if they are, then we'll get more people in there and they'll get more business. And it just makes a lot more sense for that cleaner to go into the same place over and over and over than it does for that cleaner to go, have 10 different hosts that they're working with and going into those places seldom, seldomly. Um, you know, one of the big reasons that is, is because if a cleaner, I mean, to, for a cleaner to be efficient, they can't do the laundry on site. So you have to give them a, a second set of laundry. And so if they're having to manage laundry for 10 different units, that's just inefficient. I mean, they would ideally want to manage laundry for a, as few units as possible and stay as busy as possible because it's, you know, less stuff to keep track of. Um, so I guess that would be another tip that I would say is like, give them an extra set of laundry so they don't have to do it and waste their time at your, at your uh, accommodation 
let them get in and out of there and go make money in that in that time slot that they can, which is between 11 and 3 generally, where they can go and do more short-term rental cleans and then they can do the laundry, you know, at night or some other time and just pay them to do the laundry. Um, I would say, you know, those are kind of like the fundamentals or the, the primary conversations that I have with my cleaners. And if they can do all that, then we end up not ever having a problem. Yeah, I think you make a really, really good point. Well, you're making several good points, but the one that I can relate to most is to not treat your cleaning person like a cleaner, but as a as a manager, right? I mean, that's how I used to manage my my place in Amsterdam. I mean, my cleaning lady, she, you know, she would do everything, and you know, I was paying her about double the amount than what she was making at a hotel, and as a result. Like she really felt like it was her business just as much as it was my business, right? And um, and she really, as a result, she really enjoyed doing it as well. And she would do so so much more than just cleaning. Like she had an eye for details, so she would she would just make sure that the house was always like presentable, that the house always looked good. She put in like you know maybe it needed a little a, like a plant or something, or you know a, a few more uh, pieces of. Uh, like a little art on the wall or something like that. You know, she would just always, she would treat it like it was her own place basically. And I think, I think that's because I, you know, I, I, um, I paid her well, but I also let her know like, Hey, you know, we were, we're doing this together um, and tr always trying to be supportive. Um, you know, even if there's, you know, if there's a little mistake or something or something goes wrong, I mean, no one's perfect, of course, like, you know, not, not get mad, but just like be, you know, have a supportive attitude I think uh, I think that's a that's a so important. That's a great point. Yeah, I uh, I don't think it's any coincidence um, that you had such great results with her. Because if you're treating somebody like that uh, with respect and, and bestowing upon them the responsibility, then they respond adequately. Especially if you're paying them well, which is you know you, you really do save a lot of money. Like I save money on piddly maintenance issues because I pay my cleaners well. And I was like, Hey, if this takes you like 25 minutes to unclog this toilet, you know, don't worry. I just charge me an extra 25 bucks or 50 bucks. It's a lot cheaper than me calling a plumber out there and having to get a call from a guest about something that should have been done anyway. So, you know, I'm always freely paying them. extra. If they want to do some extra work around there, I'm always paying them. I don't mind paying them a little extra. Totally. That's exactly what I used to do as well. I, I used to tell her, Hey, if you think, if you think something needs fixed, if you think, you know, if you see something in the shop or something and you think it would, it would fit well in the apartment, you know, just, just get it. And I'll, I'll, I'll pay you for, for the price and I'll pay you for your time. And that's exactly how you, I used to do it. That's, that's really interesting. We, I think we have a very similar mindset when it comes to this. Yeah. 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 It, I hope that, I mean, I've had a manager manage a place before and they're not in it that often. And so I was paying them like 20% or whatever it was I was paying them. And um, I realized pay my cleaner well and I'll just save the money. You know, plus, you know, uh, a property manager, they're just going to subcontract any issues that go, that are, are wrong with the property. So there, uh, once again, you lose money again there, you know, because their cleaners aren't going to do it. They're not going to take it upon themselves to do it. So, yeah, I mean, I look at a, 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 at my cleaner as a savings, not an expense. Sweet. So tell us a little bit more about the tool that you came up with, the, the clean solution. 
Okay, so, um, you know, one of the issues I do have is like scheduling cleaners and it's not so much me because maybe I have five units, not that hard. But once I started working with cleaners that had maybe multiple units, then it became an issue because they were having to uh, receive text and emails uh, from multiple different hosts and organizing them in multiple different uh, calendars. And there's a lot of scheduling and uh, cancellations that happens nowadays, especially since, you know, over, I think 60% of the bookings happen within a 30 day period. It's a, a lot of last minute updates. So essentially what my product does is this automatically updates the schedule for the cleaner and the host. And so a host will go in there and create a unit, you know, unit, beautiful sunrises and import all their calendars into the platform. And then my system will just uh, put a, uh, a note on every, on every day that a, a unit needs cleaning. So it would say like somebody checked out on the 23rd, a cleaner will see that your unit has a checkout on the 23rd needs to be clean. And all the different hosts that that particular cleaner works for can all share their calendar um, with that cleaner. And so that cleaner can see all the different cleanings they have on one calendar and it'll just automatically be updated. So it works a lot like, um, you know, sharing of a calendar or sharing of Google drive. You know, you create an account as a host, you share that cleaning calendar with your cleaner and that cleaner can see all the cleanings that you have. And is this, is this a solution that you came up for yourself or, or can people, can people who are listening, can they use your solution? Well, okay. I primarily came up for, in the beginning. It's, for myself, I use it with my cleaners and I was, you know, hoping my cleaners would ask their other hosts that they clean for to share with them their, their cleaning calendar. Um, but ideally one day I want this thing to take off where, you know, all the cleaners are using this, uh, all the hosts are using this to share the cleaning schedules. And hopefully there's some other, you know, benefits I can bring to the table besides this, you know, having updated cleaning schedules, you know, um, just ideally, once the cleaner gets in there, they could hit the check mark just to um, let the host know the place is done. And that way, if you, as a host, if you know if somebody wants to get in earlier, why not let them in earlier if the place is already done? Um, sometimes, uh, you know, a, a cleaner will want to make a note about a particular uh, job they cleaned, or a host will make want to make a note about a particular cleaning coming up. You know, those are some other uh, features that we could add in there. Um, right now, we're essentially just uh, automating the cleaning schedule for the hosting cleaner. So they don't need to keep on emailing, texting back. And it's a platform where a cleaner can have all their different hosts share the calendar and have it on one platform where he or she can view it. So can people sign up for this? Do you have a website or... Yeah, you can go to thecleansolution.io and you can sign up for it then. And currently, I, it's, um, I'll send you a, a username and password and uh, you can go in there and use it there. Um, so it is, it's, it's, it's open to the public, but it's definitely a beta product. So okay. if anybody has feedback on it, if anybody wants to try it out, you know, I'll feedback's how we're going to make this thing a lot more valuable. So of course I'm definitely very welcome to any feedback. 
Very cool. So the clean solution.io, people want to try it out, go ahead, sign up. Uh, it's free. And that way you can help Fernanda, sorry, Francisco um, improve his product. So that's pretty cool. All right, man, we've, uh, we've been talking for a while. Um, I'm afraid we, we will have to leave your, uh, your plans with the, the Airbnb motel, maybe for next podcast. And when, when are you planning to, to open that? Okay, so we closed on it last week. Um, next, we're going to be meeting with some contractors and some electricians that have, they've already actually gone in and looked at the place. So hopefully we'll get started on building it, uh, re, uh, refurbish, refurbishing it um, within two weeks. And um, it's, it's, a, it's a project that we can sort of do in stages and not that I want to take a whole year and a half to get this thing done, but we can get like four units up and running and hopefully we can get that up in six in six weeks, and then we can work on the other four units and get that up in another six weeks. And so it, all in total, there's 20 units. And uh, so hopefully, you know, within a couple of months, you know, I'll have something on Airbnb that I can show it, you, uh, share with you, and you can just you follow the follow the progress. Sweet man. Well, we're gonna have to get you back on the podcast. Uh in a while once uh, once you, you get all that stuff done it'll be really interesting to hear uh, any updates on on that one yeah if anybody's gonna um have any experience doing uh making a roadside motel and putting it on airbnb and doing it solely on airbnb um i check your facebook page quite a bit so uh if anybody's got any advice go ahead and put it on the facebook group and i'll go look at the get paid for your bad facebook group and soak in the the tips awesome man i'll be uh, i'll be looking out for for what people have to share um francisco thank you so much for coming in the show and and thank you also for being a very active uh, contributor in in the get paid for your bad facebook group and um yeah i'd love to have you back in the future sometime and uh, if you ever want to come to uh cali in colombia i know you've uh, you've mentioned to me in the past that you'd be interested in that um you know you're welcome to stay at my place there Hey, and guess what? I'm not going to be asking for a discount. I'm a, I'm almost a super guest. I pay full price. <laughs> awesome, man. That's uh, that's good to know. <laughs> All right, buddy. All right. Thanks a lot. And for listeners, thank you for listening. And of course, next week we'll be back with another episode of Get Paid for Your Pad. You can find the show notes at getpaidforyourpad.com slash podcast. I'll make sure to include all the links to uh, Francisco's clean solution and also all the other resources we mentioned and all that good stuff and also make sure to sign up for my email list at getpaidforyourpad.com as well so you get all the updates about live sessions and videos and podcasts and all the free content that i put out there thanks for listening and until next time bye get paid for your pet get paid for your pet Get paid for your pet.